Welcome back to the Trifecta Soft Podcast. I'm your host, E-Rock. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, so you never miss another podcast. Also, do me a favor. Go on to whatever podcast app you listen to us on and give us a rating and review. That really helps us rank in the searches. Thank you so much. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. I saw your post uh, on Instagram just like, you know, 30 minutes ago, whatever. Yeah. I was, ex- I was excited. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, how did you get your hair to do that in the. I uh, have a lot of hair. <laughs> a lot of hair. Yeah. So it looked cool. It's a good picture. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I was like, did you have somebody, you know how they uh, sometimes they'll have somebody like using a hair dryer or blower or something, yeah. you know, <laughs> blowing the hair up. <laughs> nope, just holding it. Yeah. Nice camera time. Uh, and yeah. There you go. <laughs> nice. You are in the UK. Yep. And you play, I think, at the same fields uh, with a lot of people I've talked to recently at Dirty Dog. Uh, no, actually, uh, uh, we play um, at mainly Airsoft Plantation in oh, Essex, okay. Okay. Um, but also West Midlands Airsoft, which is nearer to me, but the majority of our team's in Essex, so we a lot of the time our main site is Airsoft Plantation. Okay. So We want that... to go up to Dirty Dog, but okay. not just yet. We It is in the plans for the team to go there, so. Gotcha. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not familiar with, you know, the locations and all that, like where you guys are around, but yeah. I know uh, I, I I follow a lot of you guys that uh, play in that area and a handful of the uh, airsoft ladies I've talked to in the last, you know, couple weeks or whatever, uh, play like all in that area, you know, Dirty Dog, uh, Halo Mills, and I guess uh, Airsoft Plantation. Yeah, we, to be fair, we, we don't have a lot of girl players in the sites that we go to. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to get a few more within the team. Um, but I think we have, we have three girls in our team. Um, and we've only ever seen maybe one or two of the girls at Airsoft Plantation. Um, I don't think, I think I've only seen one other girl at West Midlands Airsoft, so okay. it's a bit of a strange thing. You can tell it's new for the staff when um, when there's a girl on site because they they just start shouting "guys" and "come on, guys," and they're like "and girls." <laughs> it's fine; we're used to it. I don't mind. Right? Exactly. Well, I guess uh, one of the common things I've heard too is when uh, you girls are out there playing, and like most people don't know because you're all geared up. You know, they don't know yeah. uh, sometimes if you're a female or not, and they're, they'll shoot you and you call your hit, and they're like, oh, uh, it's a girl. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You get a lot more people saying sorry when they hear the feminine, like, voice of hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, there's a reason I'm here. I don't mind. Like, right. if I get hit, I get hit. I'm not playing good enough. So. Listen, I'm going to tell you right it now. Comes with it. I would never say I'm sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you're on the field, like, you're just like me. Okay. Like, we're all yep. in this together. So, yeah, that's. Uh... I've shot people in the face. I've <laughs> shot men in places that they don't want to be shot in. But uh, oh! it comes. <laughs> you can't help it. You just go. I'm sorry, but that was a good shot. Hey, yeah, right. 
Uh, yeah, it happens. It does. So how did you uh, get into Airsoft? Um, so when my friend basically posted a picture, I used to work with her years ago, and she posted a picture of her and some of the team. And I actually thought one of the team, one of the guys in the team looked really cute. So um, <laughs> I messaged him. And then eventually we started dating and um, he convinced me to go to a game. It was something I always wanted to try. Always, I've seen videos and I thought, oh, that looks fun. And I've got friends that have been and they've spoken about it. So I was a bit like, oh, that, that looks kind of fun. My first game, I was petrified. I was so scared. <laughs> really? I, I didn't know what I was doing. I, my, my other half had bought all of my gear for me, so I didn't know what was going on. I was just kind of running around with my MP5, like, okay, where do we go now? Who do I get to shoot? But then kind of after the second game, I got really competitive. I was like creeping up on my own to the opposite team. And from there, it just be kind of has become a bit of an obsession now. <laughs> I've spent way too money, much money on gear. And oh, yeah. I... Um, I end, after my first game, um, the Airsoft Plantation where we go, they do something called Airsoft Competitions where you can enter a competition to win an Airsoft gun. So after my first game, uh, my other half had just recently bought a Scar H and on Airsoft Competitions, they had a Scar L in black and I love black. So I was like, ooh, I'm going to go for this. I think I spent £60 on tickets and I won it. <laughs> So oh, nice. after my first game of Airsoft, spent £60 in tickets, and I won a £500 gun. So oh, my gosh. I was over the moon, and yeah, I loved it. <laughs> that is cool. And then you got hooked, and now you're uh, you're all into it. And yeah. yeah, that's usually what happens. Like, everyone I've talked to, as soon as they go to their first game, like, I've never met <laughs> anyone that says, yeah, I, I tried Airsoft, and I didn't like it. Like, it just never yeah. happens. Like, they go... And they're like, okay, now now I got to get some yeah. real good shit and, and get out there every weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We're mainly like outdoor players as well. We went to our first CQB site um, a couple of weeks ago. I was so scared. My anxiety was through the roof. I was shaking. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. We didn't know the site either. And I was like, it's so close. What am I going to do? Like screaming internally. Um, and then... I think after the first game, I was like, okay, yeah, let's go. I know where I'm going. I know how we can get there. And just like, we're trying to make tactics and come up with a plan. And it, it was just so fun. And a majority of the team haven't done CQB for quite some time. So yeah. to be able to um, do that's gotten everybody's love for it as well. And we met another team that are mainly indoors and we've kind of made a bit of a friendship with them. So we've said we'll go up to their normal site which is a bit further up north to us mm. and play a game at their their local site as well that is cool yeah yeah it's uh it's cool to be around uh everybody that's you know as passionate about it as as you are once you get involved and it, it doesn't take long like you said you know the uh as soon as you no. go to that first event you're like <laughs> you know you get competitive once you get in there it's like okay i know what i'm doing you know you don't really have to know everything or even have the best gear. Yeah. It's that competitive, uh, you know, passionate uh, gameplay that's uh, it, it makes it fun, you know. Yeah, as long as you get to shoot somebody, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I know. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about uh, how some of the guys they played with in the past used to just uh, attack some of the new players mm. just to kind of like, you know, say they got the kill or whatever. And, yeah. you know, these are like young, you know, the first time they're out there, young kids or whatever, and they're like, bro, don't do that, man. That's, you yeah. know, because, uh, you know, it, you're not going to have fun if you're spending most of your time in respawn, <laughs> you know, yeah. that sucks. But when you have enough people out there to play and, uh, you know, have a competitive game, you know, especially a really close game, yeah. it makes it fun. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Skirmish, the future of Airsoft gameplay management. Are you ready to take Airsoft to the next level? Skirmish's innovative gameplay solution keeps players and spectators engaged with real-time updates. Capture objectives, detonate targets, medic, and more at Skirmish-enabled fields. Skirmish tracks every action so you don't have to. Review past games, action by action, and follow your progress in national rankings. Phones are not required. If you want to find out more, head to skirmish.net. And check out episode 157 of this podcast where I talk with the owner of Skirmish about how it started and how it works. Stay connected, my friends. Yeah, there was a, a young lad and his dad who were there and his, his dad had played but not for years, but he was like a ninja. So he was in this bright red hoodie as well. So he wasn't like blended in like in a dark kind of anything he was just standing out like a sore thumb but he was that quick he'd like run in and just like get everybody in the room and you all stood there like what <laughs> <laughs> he just abandoned his kid to like do his own thing he was like yeah you do what you want to do i'm gonna go start shooting people <laughs> that's funny oh yeah that happens so what is yeah. that uh what is that hoodie you got on there you got a you got your own personalized oh, yeah sh- this is my little tactical fox hoodie um got their team name on the back as well uh we're team okay. bear um so yeah i think i saw that on your instagram your uh your team name was on there and your yeah. instagram name is tactical fox yeah that looks cool so you had that Thank made. You. yeah yeah i am um, i actually designed the logo i was just well, gonna ask myself. you about that yeah yeah, my friend, um, we call her the tactical raccoon because she's always in black and grey. Nice. Um, so when I started, she was like, oh, you must be the tactical fox because you have red hair. <laughs> um, and then for Christmas, I designed my logo and her logo. So she's got raccoon ears and a raccoon tail. Oh, cool. Um, and I had them made in two patches. So we've got our own patches now that are literally the exact same. So this is the digital version yeah um and i sent them to a patch company and they made patches for us of them which was pretty cool that is cool (laughs) yeah i like to see uh how people come up with their designs you know their logos and the the names and things like that yeah that is cool i'm quite creative so i kind of just i google fox ears um a fox tail and then just put a black circle in the middle got an outline and then just got the tactical fox airsoft written around the edge that is nice yeah i like it thank you yeah i uh i met i met you through instagram uh where i've met most everybody in the last probably month that i've done a uh, podcast with and probably uh, you know i met a lot of you guys out in the uh, uk 
And I had no clue until I started, you know, kind of, actually I didn't search. Uh, when I did the first, uh, podcast with, uh, Chloe from Englefield Echo, her channel is Englefield Echo. She, um, she joined our discord. I don't even know how she couldn't remember how she joined our discord. And, uh, I saw her cause I always check our discord, like new members, you know, welcome, whatever. And, uh, I saw her on there and I saw she had a YouTube channel. I was like, Oh, okay. She plays airsoft, whatever, all this stuff. And then, uh, and then I just kind of, that took me down the rabbit hole of all these airsoft players in the UK. And I was like, Holy cow, man, there's so many. And I met so many people, uh, from that area. And like I said, I don't know like the geography of where you guys are, you know, all the different places and stuff, but, uh, you guys all follow each other on Instagram, you know, and I see all these different names. So yours popped up. And I was like, hey, uh, do a podcast, you know, and um, I was glad you were able to come on here and uh, and talk some airsoft stuff. So it's cool. Thank you. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. Now, did you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I was going to say, I think with paint, paintball is quite a popular thing in the UK. Mm. So when airsoft became known because people enjoyed paintball, but airsoft is more kind of the military side of it. Right we kind of i think preferred it so now airsoft's becoming more known than paintball for sure paintball's becoming the for 10 years and you like under 10s under 50s if they want to <laughs> just have a little bit of fun right but then when you want to get serious you you come over to airsoft it's it's a lot more fun and yeah. a bit more tactical so yeah no i think airsoft's definitely becoming more popular than paintball now i think so too yeah, that's uh, that's been happening for quite a few years. Uh, when I first got out of the military, see, I don't have uh, experience with airsoft as far as you know playing on the fields with these guys. And uh, my experience was, you know, of course, the military, and then uh, as far as the tactical stuff, and then the uh, paintball. So I played paintball for years after I got out of the military, and it was, uh, I mean, I, I loved it. It was the same kind of experience. You know, I I went to my first game with some guys I worked with, and then uh, I. Like on the way there, I didn't have a paintball gun. On the way there, I stopped at a store and bought this cheap ass, you know, about to break in half kind of little pump uh, action. It sucked. Uh, I was able to shoot with it, but it was horrible. And after that first game, I was okay, I got to get some more stuff, you know, better stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then we played all the time, you know, every other weekend or whatever. And, uh, and I was, you know, I was pretty into it for a while. And then uh, I got my, kids into it when they were young you know they went with me for a few games but that when uh when these guys started getting airsoft and i started the uh, youtube channel and started running that and i saw their gameplay footage and i and i saw the guns we were you know that they were getting and we and i was getting in these uh, mystery boxes i was like bro this is so cool this is what paintball is missing is that military side you know the uh replica guns yeah. and you know, because it's like most of the paintball you see is like, uh, and that's what I played was the inflatable, uh, you know, obstacle or, you know, uh, shelter or uh, cover and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was real colorful and it was fast paced. You know, most of it was fast paced. And, uh, and then Airsoft is like this whole full like military simulation kind of thing with real looking guns, you know, like replica guns. Like you said, you have MP5. Uh, yeah. You can never find that in uh, paintball, you know, at the time. I think they're starting to make some like that now, but uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, airsoft is way more popular, and I think yeah. that's why because you have so many options, you know, uh, for different types of guns, not just the different styles, but you have gas blowback, you have electric blowback, you have you know AEGs, you have the pistols that do all kind, you know, all different kind of pistols and stuff. It's a uh, it's a really cool setup the way they have uh, all those different options. Yeah, like I want so many guns, it's unreal. Like, like I'll see one, I'm like, can I have this one, please? Can I have this one? Like, I just want them all. They're, they're, I can't make my mind up on which one that I want. Like, I keep saying, oh, I want a Scorpion Evo, and then, no, oh, yeah. but I want this one. No, I want an AK. Like, I just can't make my mind up. But I think at the moment, my gun bag broke when I went to CQB because it was that heavy because I had my, oh, my scar. God. I had my Scar L, I had my MP5, I had my magazines um, for all, and um, my P226 pistol as well. I went to pick it up, the strap just completely snapped off. <laughs> so I've got to get a new gun bag at the moment, so I yeah. can't afford to get any more, any more guns currently because I don't have a bag to put them in. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I keep looking at more and I keep thinking, oh, no, I'll wait. And I always enter the competitions at the um, at the airsoft competitions page, and just in case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that's a common thing. When these guys first started, they uh, they went to their first mill sim, and they're like, "Oh shit, we don't have anything to put all our guns and all this." You know, so they start buying gun bags. You know, because we have uh, you know they grew up. Uh, you know, two of the guys on our channel are my sons. So when they were growing up, you know, I've always had real steel guns and. And they started getting some of their own. And so they had gun cases for the real steel stuff. But uh, they started buying all this other stuff for the airsoft thing. You know, they have totes, uh, you know, big plastic totes of just endless gear. Yeah. of you know, And they're like, they bought this one bag, you know, gun bag. They're like, this one sucks, you know, because they try to take it to a Milsim with all their stuff. And it. it's like, nope, we got to get a different one. So it's like this rabbit hole of you know, trying out these new uh, things that fit whatever you're trying to do uh, for that event. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's a real common thing. You know, and that's a big difference with paintball too is, you know, you know when I was in paintball, it was, uh, you don't have a lot of options. So it was like, whatever you want to wear. And we didn't, you know, it was like a t-shirt and jeans or whatever. And then, because uh, you're not trying to hide because you're, you know, it's like a fast paced kind of like CQB kind of thing. And, you didn't really have, like, I never had a, I, I put a, all my stuff in a duffel bag or my uh, military backpack that I had. And it was like a couple things, your tank and your gun. It was like, that was it. You never had to take a backup gun. You know, these guys go, they take like two backup guns because <laughs> one's going to break or yeah, whatever. Yeah, my MP5 is my backup gun. I always use my scar, but if I, I have my MP5 as a backup gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. Now, did you grow up uh, around where you live now? Yeah, so I've literally um, pretty much grown up in the same area um, okay. my whole life. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's do you pretty have friends cool. uh, that you grew up with that uh, know you're in Airsoft? and. Yeah, I have a couple of friends. Um, they uh, think I'm crazy, but <laughs> I think it's just because they see the posts that I post of me with my scar and all my military equipment, and they're just like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but I mean, a majority of my friends are 
the guys in the airsoft group anyway right. so they kind of just we just appreciate each other when it comes to oh you've got a new this new this like yeah that's cool yeah. but i have some friends that i kind of have grown up with and they're just a bit like you're a bit crazy but okay we'll deal with it <laughs> um but i've got one friend that actually um she's like my oldest friend so we've yeah. known each other since we were like three years old and we're like 24 25 now and um she actually lives in the states now she lives in idaho oh. Oh, okay. um so i don't get to see she moved there about 11 12 years ago now um and she's just started going out and like doing some shooting like going off on the on the golf carts around the <laughs> middle of nowhere and and doing that and then i like post my pictures of me doing air so she's like that's so cool you should come shoot a real gun over here with me when you come over again i'm like I'll stick to airsoft then. <laughs> you come with me to an airsoft site next time I visit there. She's like, oh, yeah. yeah, go on then. So yeah, no, um some of my friends are a bit like a bit cautious. Um but I love it. I'm yeah. like absolutely love it. Are uh, any of the guys you play with uh people that you grew up with, like in that area? Like you knew from school? No, um, no. so um, I've pretty much, I went to one of those schools that not many people stayed in touch with each other after. Hmm. So um, I think the only people I've stayed in touch with is um, one of the girls that wasn't even in my year group. <laughs> we met during a school production of Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, um, shit. So we've what been like, friends. Like a, you guys did like a play or something? Yeah, so we were in the dance company for the Little Shop of Horrors production that our school put on. Um, and that was like my last year at school. Um, and she was a couple of years younger than me, but she's like my little sister. So we stayed yeah. in touch over the years and we we still talk now. Um, and then I've got my other friend who I met when I went to um, college um, and we've been friends for years. But she is too scared to go to Airsoft. My second friend. <laughs> my first friend, her boyfriend loves it. So me, him, and my other half are going to arrange to go to a game together. But she's nowhere near coming near an airsoft gun. She she won't know what she's doing. She's absolutely petrified. Yeah. So, yeah, no, neither of my closest friends, I think, would be, uh, be into it, unfortunately. Which yeah. is a shame, because I think it would be fun. But... Um, my my friend Anastasia, who's actually the one who introduced me, and my other half, um, she's massive into it, like me. So she's the tactical tactical oh. raccoon, but she's oh, all, yeah. she hers is drop dead airsoft um, okay. her, on Instagram. But that sounds familiar. I, yeah. She's my tactical raccoon. I'm her tactical fox, kind of thing. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it's cool. So you uh, you said uh, like dance and stuff like that. Did you grow up? Uh, doing uh dance like were you taking dance classes or i actually grew i did gymnastics um, oh, okay. and uh trampoline gymnastics for way too many years <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to see me like anybody who knows me at an airsoft site i'll be there like a full back brace on just to be sure that my back's okay during like carrying all my heavy equipment i'll be laid down in between games because my back's killing me oh. it's all just been from gymnastic injuries over the years it's it's absolutely really? okay. knackered my back yeah <laughs> but yeah. i i deal with the pain for airsoft it's worth it <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it yeah, yeah that's uh we put one of our daughters in uh gymnastics and one of our sons when they were real little, but 
they only did it for like one or two years. Now, both of our daughters, we put into uh, dance and my youngest daughter, mm-hmm. she was actually pretty good. She, and she liked it. So she went, uh, she stayed in dance a lot longer than our other daughter. And she did like competitions. We would travel from state to state, you know, doing dance competitions. And, uh, so when you, you know, you're talking about that, but it, you know, it was, uh, we don't have a lot of experience with the gymnastic stuff, but I know it's pretty rigorous, you know? Yeah, it can be. I mean, with the, with the, um, little shop of horrors production, it was kind of a, it was my last year at at my high school. And I was like, right, I want to get in on this production. I don't care what I do, whether I'm just stage crew, whether I'm on stage, whether I'm just like help, like organize it. I just wanted to be involved in something within my school, uh, before I left and the little shop of horrors production became a thing. Um, and they put me in charge of the dance company, which was pretty cool. So it was like choreographing the dances, never done dance before in my life, (laughs) but for some reason they felt the need that they could trust me with that. So, uh, yeah. And that's how I met my first friend, Celine. She was helping me choreograph the dances, um, throughout the whole production. So we literally spent eight hours a day, seven days a week with each other for about Oof. five or six months, just kind of oh in gosh. school, in between classes, talking about the dances, going through the dances in the break room, doing the dances, making sure they looked right, and then teaching them in the after-school kind of classes to show the dance crew what we come up with. And, yeah, it was it was an experience, and I'm glad that I did it. It, yeah. was, it was something that I was like, right, I need to do something before I leave the school. I am not going out without doing one of these productions. And Well, that's good. I went in for it and yeah, I got that. But gymnastics, I think I started really young, really young. I think yeah. I was watching the Olympics one year and I just did, I tried to copy them and took out my TV. So had to, my mom was like, right, off to, off to gymnastics class as you go. <laughs> um, oh, that's but yeah, going to trampolining because I went to see a gymnastics center and there was trampolining classes okay. going on at the same time. I was like, I want to do that instead. Yeah. And then competed nationally from 2016, I think it was, up until uh, obviously COVID 2019 um, okay. and everything stopped. Um, and then last year I retired because I just couldn't get back into it. My back was too mm. much and um, trying to get back into the moves that I used to be able to do just wasn't happening for me and just got frustrated. So I said, maybe I'll come out of retirement in a few years time. We'll see. (laughs) But at the moment my money's going towards horses and airsoft, (laughs) nothing more. You guys grew up with uh, horses and stuff too, like around your house. No, so I, I always wanted a horse though. Um, oh, okay. But I, I quite enjoy horse riding. So when I retired from gymnastics, I was like, right, this money is going into my horse riding now. So uh, I've been doing like lessons and things recently. Okay. Um, but I've always, like, whenever me and my family went on holiday in the UK or anywhere, I was like, right, we need to find a horse riding center near here <laughs> now so I can do it while I'm here. We used to go to Greece every year um, oh, wow. to um, Zekinthos and we'd go horse riding every time we went through the olive gardens when i came over to um like idaho because we did this massive kind of road trip i i hired a car this was 2018 i hired a car 
I drove, I, I flew out, met my friends at um, Salt Lake City um, Airport nice. and met my car there. And then we drove from kind of, we went from Salt Lake City Airport to uh, Denver, Colorado, um, oh where um, one of my friend's aunties lives. So we stayed with her for a bit and I'm a massive Denver Broncos fan. So for me, I was oh, losing my mind going through Denver. It was amazing. Um, and then, yeah, we went through, uh, we went to the Grand Canyon. We went to Yellowstone. Uh, we kind of ventured to Wyoming. We just literally did everything that we could possibly do with like Flagstaff Four Corners Monument. Oh my God. I literally just tried to get through everything. We wild camped in the middle of um, Navajo Nation, which was terrifying. But, like, it was just part of the adventure, and it was so fun. And we did it all in one week. So I drove, I think it was 2,500 miles in one week. Um, Just me driving as well. I was like, I'm not putting anybody else on the car insurance because it's too expensive. Um, So it was literally just me driving this whole week of two and a half thousand miles it was ridiculous but luckily i had another week there so i could just relax for the final week just get my sleep properly yeah no i never drove a car after that for while i was out there but we went we went we went um western riding um near yellowstone park and that was amazing absolutely incredible now they have uh they have where you can take the horse like up trails and stuff like that. Is that what they yeah. like in the woods? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we do that. I like, we have a lot of places kind of, if you go on holiday in the UK somewhere, there's bound to be a horse trekking center nearby. Um, mm. whether they do like just basic walks through the woods or whether they go like onto a beach ride or go up into the mountains, sometimes depending where you are. Um, but yeah, whenever we've been on holiday, I'm like, right, we need to find a horse riding center now. Oh, that's cool. As soon as we get in, the first thing I'm doing is looking for a leaflet or Googling for a horse riding center. I'm like, <laughs> right, we're, even if we're there for three days, I'm like, one of these days I'm going horse riding. I am <laughs> oh doing gosh. it. Yeah, that is cool. Well, you stay busy, it sounds like. Yeah, I yeah. I am a very busy person. <laughs> yeah, you're active, you know, you got shit to do. Here we yeah. go, let's do this. Like even yeah. today, I was like, right, I've got the podcast at five, so I'm going to go into into the town centre. I'm going to do some shopping. And we then went to the supermarket to get some food for the house. Then when I came home, I was like, right, I'm going to wash my car because it needs cleaning. So I just <laughs> I literally started cleaning the car. I think it was about half past two. I finished at quarter to four, <laughs> so oh, spent shit. a good hour and fifteen minutes. And that's only the exterior of my car. But, oh my uh, god. It needed a good clean. I hadn't cleaned it through winter, which is really bad of me, but it needed a good clean. So I spent a lot of time on it. Usually I can spend about two to three hours cleaning my car. So one and a bit's not that much. (laughs) (laughs) That is, uh, yeah, you're on the go. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's why I'm so, like, I love Airsoft so much because it's constantly moving. You're constantly having to do something. So, like, I'm there, like, right. I need to get to this point over here to get this objective. How am I going to do that? And then just like planning it. I'm constantly, my brain never stops. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, with the uh, horse riding thing I did, uh, I rode a horse a couple times in my life and one of them was a really good experience. We went down, I was still, uh, in the military at the time and, uh, me and my buddies were like, 
looking for something to do on the weekend besides, or not besides drink, to include drinking, but also to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, we found this horse place down in, uh, by San Diego, California, and they let you ride the horse on the beach. So where they're set up, it's like maybe a quarter mile, you know, it's not far from the beach, but, uh, the, the horses know where to go. They're like, so you yeah. pick up the horse there, you know, once you get set on and they make sure the horse, you know, connects with you. Okay. Like where it's not going to, you know, try to get rid of you. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then they'll, you, they just let you go and you go down this trail and it goes right to the beach. And we rode these horses full steam, like full speed, uh, back and forth, right on the sand. Uh, it was a really cool experience. So yeah. I never had a bad experience with with uh, riding horses, but I don't have, you know, uh, a lot of experience with it. Uh, I always kind of wanted to grow up with them because I just loved them so much. It's, the thing yeah. is, when you're riding them, it's the freedom you get from mm -hmm. it. It's when you're going full pelt, it's just, oh, it's just the re you you you're gripping on for dear life. Like you you do you will not let go because you're fearing <laughs> like you're gonna fall, but. At the same time, it's just the freedom you feel when you're on the back of that horse that's going like 30, 40 miles per hour. It just, it's amazing. You can't beat the feeling. Yeah, it's a great feeling. And uh, I was so, the first time I got on a horse, I was like, uh, I guess, really impressed with how strong they are. Yeah. Like, I know they're big, you know, but, uh, you know, you, uh, I guess, you know, growing up, seeing all these Westerns, you know, you just don't yeah. really... And then, so the first time I got on one, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like you feel, it feels cool to, you know, ride like that. You often find as well, like that the Western, the Western horses, like that you see in like the rodeos and things like that are often athletically built. Mm -hmm. But then when you go to a center where you're like a trekking center or a hacking center, as we call them, it's, they're, they're kind of a lot more stocky and they're more, they're kind of a lot bigger just because they obviously have to deal with different weights of people on them and right. kind of doing different things. But um, it's like when you see, a, if you put a racehorse next to a trekking horse, they yeah. look totally different. I'm if sure. you put them next to each other, you'll see one's like thin, like an athlete, but the other one's like a bodybuilder, but still has uh, the state, same stamina. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. I never knew a lot about horses, you know, and back when I rode them, there was no, uh, internet. So it wasn't a way to research. <laughs> so you had to go and experience it, you know? Yeah. That was, uh, that was it. So you traveled, man, you have traveled a lot. <laughs> I, I want to I, travel really more. Cool. Yeah. It's cool that you've been to the States, uh, and traveled all around, you know, a bunch of different, uh, you know, really pretty areas, uh, in America because Idaho, Wyoming, uh, Arizona, you said Flagstaff, there's, uh, there's was, a lot of, yeah, really good, uh, pretty areas around there. Yeah. It's absolutely stunning around that. I loved every single second of being there and I was supposed to be going back in, I think it was 2020, but then obviously COVID came around and it uh, ruined it. Cause I was like, Oh, yeah. I'll come back in two years. And that just never happened. I was absolutely gutted. But, um, unfortunately, um, there were some wildfires, um, in Idaho where my friend lives. 
um and their whole neighborhood was was burnt to the ground so they oh they God. lost their house um because we were arranging to i was arranging actually to go out and to surprise her because they allowed flights back to the states and but then it was just it was quite a difficult time like they're still going through it their house is still like being in the pro like it's being rebuilt it's just yeah. it's a big thing like they lost everything and obviously because they moved from the uk to the us right. my friend had like photos of us all in like junior school and like just memories and they oh. lost everything all of her memories yeah. were gone so yeah. like within that period i was trying to find photos of us together at school including photos of her mom because her mom was in the uk quite a lot and she didn't have anything to go off so huh. it it's it was quite difficult and um yeah. at the moment they're still rebuilding their lives so it's going to be a while before i can go back but we are definitely trying to arrange that. Yeah. But it was yeah, just those, insane. <clears throat> yeah, those uh those pictures when uh when I before I started this uh YouTube channel, I went through a period where uh I was looking for things to do and I I went and got all of our old photo albums and I started taking pictures with my phone of each page and then I would uh edit them, you know, I I would zoom in to this picture, you know, cause there'd be like, you know, photo albums, you have like five yeah. or six pictures, you know, and, uh, I would zoom in and save each one. And I have hundreds and hundreds of old pictures from when we were kids. Cause I, I got my, uh, my mom, uh, when I went to visit her, I got her old photo albums from when we were growing up. And when she was a kid, like I took yeah. all these, I wanted digital copies of all these things. And uh, my wife and I, we, you know, I, I took all of ours from when our kids were little. I got her parents' uh, photo albums and did that as well. And uh, but the, that's exactly why I was doing that because I wanted yeah. something to pass on to our kids if something happens, you know. Because not only that, but they fade, you know. Like yeah. there's risk of losing them that way or any kind of other, you know, disaster. But uh, you know, they start fading. You can barely see them. And uh, so I started taking these uh, and saved them uh, in a couple different places, you know, on uh, like my Google Drive or whatever. But, yeah, that is uh, – I'm sure that's devastating for your, your friend uh, to have that, that happen, you yeah. know, especially a whole neighborhood like that. I mean, you hear about these uh, wildfires here in America. Uh, California is a big one because yeah. it's so dry in certain areas. And, uh, but it's dry, but the, it's not like a desert, you know, desert, nothing's going to burn. Like there, it's no. just sand, <laughs> but it's dry in areas where there's like a forest, you know, huge. Yeah. And a lot of these areas were, uh, over the last, you know, five years or whatever, they've had an issue with, uh, wildfires. I, I don't watch the news very much, so I didn't know about the one in Idaho. You know, we were yeah. yeah, it was, it, I think it was, um, uh, was it early last year? I I think can't remember now. Like time yeah. goes so quickly at the moment. But um, sure. I just know like I, she posted a picture. Um, her mom posted a picture of the house, and I, it was just there was nothing left. It was oh completely just ground level. 
and my friend's bedroom was in the basement so you could see her mm. like it was that bad you could see the bit where her bedroom used to be because oh my gosh you could just see the hole in the ground and the cars were burnt the the caravan was got like literally everything was gone and they've just had to rebuild their whole lives and it's like they're a family they've got um three younger children and then my friend that's the same age as me um and then her mom and her stepdad that all live in this house and they've been having to live luckily um when they moved out um a couple of cousins went out with them and moved out not that far away so they ended up just living with cousins um in the area yeah but Nobody ever wants to go through that. And you never think that you're going to be having to try and find photos for your friend who's lost everything. Like, yep. you never think you're going to have to do that. Um, right. And, yeah, it was it was quite upsetting at the time. But I'm hoping again soon. And I know they, they, they've still got really high spirits. Their whole community raises money. They do music in the park events. They do kind of just fundraising they sell cookies like they do as much as they can to help raise money for the whole community and they're still helping their the everybody else in their community despite them struggling as well so yeah Sound like good people they are good people yeah that's good yeah you got some good friends yeah i think <laughs> so <laughs> now is your uh is your family supportive of you playing airsoft um my mom was a bit skeptical the first time um but she know she knew i was with good company so she 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 knew i could be looked after but i think for her it's when she sees me in all of my tactical gear she's like oh my god (laughs) what is my daughter doing (laughs) um but me and my boyfriend are actually trying to convince my dad to come with me uh to come with us to one game um because my other half, he he's got quite a few different guns that he thinks that my dad will be able to use. So um, he's gonna he's 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 up for it. He's like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, nice. But yeah, just yeah, my mom's a bit like ah, about <laughs> about it. <laughs> she she'd never she'd never come. But um, yeah, yeah. She she uh, she when she first saw me in all my tactical gear, she kind of rolled her eyes like, "Oh, here we go, another <laughs> obsession." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, I was talking to uh, another lady in the UK. Uh, Vixen is her uh, oh, yeah. call sign, whatever. Yeah, and she said, uh, you know, she was talking to her parents, and she's like, "Yeah, I shot my mom. You know, let her." <laughs> See how I said you shot your mom. You're terrible. You're horrible. You can't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. We we have like this ritual in our team where if you get a new gun, you have to be shot with it. Um, so cool. if you buy a new gun, you have to be shot by one person in the team with that gun. If you win a gun, aka me winning my scar, right? If you win a gun, you have to be shot by everybody available in the team on site that day oh so we have a team of i think nine players possibly now luckily the first game i went to when i had my scar with me there was only four other members of our team on site that day so i only had to get (laughs) shot by four people but if the whole team was there that would have hurt but um, oh yeah we actually shot my boyfriend with his 
his scar H um, in my back garden. <laughs> we we let our neighbours know that they'd be hearing weird noises, but we're just shooting him in the back garden. They're like, what? <laughs> um, like it's it's a new gun. He bought it. He needs to be shot by somebody. So I'm going to do it. Uh, so he like stood halfway down in the garden. I got him right in the kidney. Uh, like he turned oh. around and put his back to me. I was like, that's a silly move. Uh. Um, so. <laughs> Um, and then I tried to get my mom to shoot him, but she she didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I think oh, yeah. if she if she did it once, I think she'd find it fun. Um, yeah. But it's, I don't think it's something she'd get into. <laughs> she's a she's a primary school te- like teaching assistant, oh. so she. I don't think it would go down well with her bosses if, if she was caught in tactical gear out <laughs> in an airsoft field. Yeah, she's this uh, teacher at school, you know, whatever, like working with the yeah. kids, and then. Her, uh, you know, she's, they see all these photos of her, like, geared up, holding a, you know, <laughs> yeah. airsoft gun. Like, they're like, what are you doing? Yeah, she works for Church of England School as well, so I definitely don't think it would go down very well if she was uh, doing her teaching assistant job in the main and then oh, yeah. airsoft in the afternoon. I don't think that would go down well. Probably not. Uh, you know, she, my she mom... bruises easily as well, so it's definitely. Oh yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah. Well, especially you know, as we get older, it's uh, you know, bruising easy and. Yeah. That's a uh, that's a common thing. My mom, uh, she came out to visit a couple years ago, and we had a big party. Uh, there was something going on. That's usually when she comes out to visit, because my mom lives uh, in a different state. She lives about uh, it's like a nine or ten hour drive from where we right. live. Right. So, uh, she came down and we were, uh, the next day we were actually filming something for our YouTube channel. So, uh, my boys were here, uh, their friend was here, JP, and we were setting up, uh, some targets for them to shoot, you know, these little metal, uh, airsoft targets. So, uh, we set up, so my mom was out there watching and So we set up a table with all these different pistols on the table, you know? I think we had like six or seven pistols set out all uh you know gas blow back so my mom's like oh i want to try that now when she said that i gotta tell you i was really surprised because when i grew you know when i was growing up she was really against guns so <laughs> like really you know when my dad bought my first uh bought me my first bb gun like a little air rifle uh i was 12 and she was you know like against it but uh so for her to say that, I was like, okay, all right, come on. So we, uh, we went out there and, and I have a video of her, uh, shooting and, you know, she's in her seventies. So it was, it was really funny to see. And she had a blast. I mean, she loved it. And, uh, we just showed her the basics and then, Hey, go ahead. You know? So we gave her a couple of mags and, uh, showed her how to reload and stuff. It was so funny. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. So I threw, I, I was drinking, you know, uh, as always. So I threw my beer can out there. I was like, shoot that, you know, like, so it, it, we had a good time, but, uh, you know, she would obviously never, you know, want to play airsoft, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> she loves that. She's like, when I come back to visit, I want to do that again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I have like younger cousins that find it like quite cool, yeah. um, so, but I don't think they'd want to go onto it. I think it's just because I got shot in the nose um, at the CQB site. Yeah. Um, 
and it left quite a mark and when my cousin saw that he was like oh my god what happened how what happened like did that hurt and I'm like it didn't actually hurt as much as it looks like it should have right but I think the mark alone was enough for him to go no I'm not doing it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 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 well when you pull up videos of those guys yeah yeah when you see those videos of those guys with the uh, you know, BB stuck in their lip and they have to like push it out or yeah. their cheek or something, you know, or eyebrow. Like, yeah. It, uh, yeah. Some people are like, nope, not, not, I don't want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got like, I got shot in the arm like here oh, and I had a, a symmetrical one on this side as well, which was great. Oh, jeez. Um, I had like a helmet on and my goggles and I managed to somehow one squeeze through the gap and hit yep. me in the forehead. I've um, seen that But before. it was the one that it literally got me right here. So <laughs> if it had been a millimeter more to my right eye, it would have hit my goggle. But no, it, it skimmed my nose and I just felt blood. And I, I well, I, I just thought it was the pain initially. Yeah. And then I kind of like put my finger to my face because I had a hole cut out in my glove. So I like, finger to my, and I was like, "What's going on?" Went like that. I was like, "Oh, I'm bleeding. I need to get <laughs> out of here." So I like ran back to the safe zone. Like people on the way out were like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" So like, I'm just bleeding. It's fine. And and when I went downstairs, they had unicorn plasters on the day. So I was like, "One unicorn plaster, please," and showed them my face like dripping with blood. And they're like, "Oh mm. my god, I think it's going to take more than a unicorn plaster." It's like, "It's fine. It's just a lot of blood. I don't know where it's all coming from." But yeah. Oh my gosh. So a, a plaster. What is a what's a plaster? We don't. I don't uh, know like that. a band aid. Oh band-aid. okay. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Okay. I kind of assumed them- that's what it was, but I didn't. Yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we call them plasters, not band-aids. I gotcha. Yeah, 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 it's the same thing. Okay, <laughs> It had, like, cool. pretty unicorns and rainbows all over it. So sure. I look I looked great for the rest of the day at Airsoft, <laughs> all my technical gear and my Airsoft band-aid on my nose. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, band-aids, whatever. My, uh, my granddaughter, we buy extra band-aids. My granddaughter's three. So when, uh, and they, my son lives, like, you know, 15 minutes away. So when she comes to visit, she loves putting band-aids on, you know, just like she uses them like stickers. So yeah. we buy, I think we have, I don't know, five different boxes of kids band-aids for uh, <laughs> all the different, you know, she loves that. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the kids movie, but the ice, some kind of, Oh, frozen. It's called frozen. frozen. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, oh, she's just putting them all over on her face, <laughs> on her arms, everywhere. And like, oh, that box is gone, you know, in one day. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. So what's uh, what's the next big uh, event you guys are going to or that you're excited about? I don't think we've got anything planned just yet. Uh, we've got a couple of the team are getting married over the next year or so. So oh, okay. um We've got the first wedding um, with two of our team members are in April. Uh, so we've got their hens and stag do's coming up, which will be fun. Um, and then now, what's another that? What's that? couple. Uh, so um, so is like, that like uh, bridesmaids? Uh, uh, yeah, like bachelor parties and bachelorette parties. Yeah. We call them hen do's and stag do's. Don't hen know why. Hen do's and stag do's. <laughs> 
just oh, okay yeah yeah I, well i yeah, love so learning hen, this you know, hendu stuff about the is yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah the hendu is the bachelorette party and the stag do is the bachelors uh, the bachelor oh, okay. party yeah so we've got those coming up and um we've got two of our other teammates got engaged uh last in i think it was december it was the week before christmas i think it was okay. um the whole team was there to witness it it was amazing i was videoing oh, it cool. and crying my eyes out at the same time oh that's um, awesome but uh it was like all christmas themed it was gorgeous um but they i think they're planning for next year so got yeah. a lot of weddings to prepare for so i don't think anybody's <laughs> actually thought about an airsoft event yet um, yeah. but I know a couple of us want to do a couple of weekenders, um, if we can, if the weather is going to be good, um, we have to see how it all goes, yeah. but I know we definitely want to go back to some CQB sites. We need okay. to, um, we want to arrange something with, um, team blackout, which are the team that we met at, uh, mm. the CQB site a couple of weeks ago. So yeah. we want to try and arrange, go going to play with team blackout at their indoor site where they normally play and um, also bring them down to airsoft plantation to see how they fare outdoors <laughs> oh that's cool yeah so you guys uh you you met them at the cqb field do that does that team play like uh skirmishes and stuff in the woodlands no so basically the um the team blackout we met them at the um West Midlands Airsoft um, High Command site, which is basically inside an old warehouse. Um, oh, that's cool. And they usually play at a bigger indoor um, centre, more kind of up to the top end of the UK. So yeah. they kind of come down because one of their guys was local to the West Midlands one. So um, they said they've kind of invited us up there to see them and play with them up there in their, in their local site. Um, and then we said to them they need to come down and give give outdoor a little bit of a go at Airsoft Plantation right. with us. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah, that, that is, uh, that's the fun thing too is when you branch out and you try different things, especially in the wintertime where yeah. uh, you can't really play outside too much. You know, if it's raining like crazy. If it's a light rain, you can still shoot. But uh, the heavy rains and the yeah. winds, there, there's no point. Like it's, your BB's no. not making it very far, you know, <laughs> in those situations. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we were talking like a couple of friends of ours went to an outdoor site and they were just like, yeah, our BBs are just doing this and it's yep. not going anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. Over here. You know. Yeah, <laughs> you got no hopes of hitting your target in an outdoor mm. when it's when it's windy and and heavy rain. But For we sure. we when we're outdoors, we we don't mind some light rain. We quite enjoy it because it keeps you cool. You're running down around with yeah. about five ten kilos worth of gear on. You don't mind a <laughs> tiny bit of rain keeping you cool. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. Yeah, I know when uh when I was training you know, doing a lot of training, we always loved the, uh, when it would be like a light rain. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's so refreshing because, you know, we're running forever. And, uh, yeah. so when you're, you know, and I was always stationed in hot areas. So, uh, when it would rain, we're like, thank you. But now, you know, where I live now in South Carolina, it's, uh, I love the heat. I don't like the rain. 
Uh, you know, I mean, I edit a lot, you know, there's things to do inside, but I'd rather be outside doing stuff, you know? Yeah. The rain kind of dampers that. See, I like, I'm always cold as a person. Like my other half is absolutely (laughs) fed up a bit because I'm always freezing cold. I have to have a a duvet, like in between games, I'm there with like a massive coat on, sat in the car, dithering with the heating on. So I'm like, I'm cold, I need to warm up. And even when we're indoors, I'm like, I'm freezing. And I stood there with like three jackets on me because I'm so cold. Um, But when it's to the point where, I mean, Obviously, it gets a lot hotter over there than it does here. But yeah. here, if it's hotter than 20 degrees Celsius, I'm out. <laughs> I am not running across the field in 20 degree heat. How it's dare not you? Happening. How it, dare you? You're tough. You were in gymnastics <laughs> now. Come on. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm out in above 20 degrees Celsius heat, I'm walking. I am not running. There's no way you'll catch me running across the field. Because even though I like being warm, that's it. I'm, that's not I can reach. I'm ginger. Like if I'm in the sunlight, I yeah. Redheads and sun don't match at all very well. <laughs> I just get sunburnt really easily. Oh, so gotcha. Right. If and I just think I just don't deal with sunlight heat very well. Yeah. Being a redhead, you you kind of stay indoors when you're younger because you're too scared to get sunburned because you know how much it hurts. <laughs> I mean, I get worse as I get older. So as I've gotten older, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'll be fine. I'm, a, I'm only yeah. out in the sun for half an hour. No sun cream on. 20 minutes later, I'm bright oh. red. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't learn. But I think as a kid, when you're when you're ginger and you're like bright red hair, you you try and stay indoors as much as possible to prevent getting sunburn. Gotcha. But then, so as you get older, it's kind of becomes second nature. Once it gets above a certain temperature, you're like I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in the shade. I'm not going oh. out. I'm staying indoors with the whole yeah. like, cold on everything. No. <laughs> Because oh you have the benefit of air conditioning in buildings in the UK. That's really rarely heard of. So, like, literally every, nearly every house I visited in America and I visited was had air conditioning in their house. It was like, yeah. I don't have that here. I have a fan that circulates the warm air around my house and doesn't keep me cool. Oh, really? Like, okay. Yeah. Like in summer, if it gets like if we get like a heat wave, that's classed as thirty do like thirty two degrees Celsius. So warm very yeah. but for me that's boiling temperature i mean i'm in an oven at that stage and like we have to hang like ice cubes in front of our fan to try and get cool air or yeah we have no set oh, like shit. no air conditioning oh okay just it's not heard of we it's a cold country <laughs> so right. we right. have more rain and snow than we have heat and when we do have a heat wave everybody goes insane but <laughs> i can't deal with that <laughs> There's no way. Oh, it's uncomfortable. Like when you're trying oh, to sleep. Yeah. yeah. When you're trying to sleep and you're not like, you know, if you're, if you're where you grew up is not normally hot, like you're not used to that, then yeah. uh, you try to sleep at night when it's just humid and the air's not moving. Like even yeah. a fan, if it's real high humidity and it's real hot, that fan doesn't do shit. No. Uh, like it's like putting a hairdryer on you. So <laughs> with wet air, you know. But yeah. uh, it doesn't cool you off. It's uh, yeah, it's very uncomfortable to try to sleep like that. You're just like, bro, 
you just keep a glass of water by your bed and just keep like <laughs> splashing water all over you. <laughs> they say yeah. it's the worst as well when you're like there in your tactical gear. You've got your you've got your mm-hmm. vest on. You've got all your stuff. You're carrying like a five kilo gun around. It's like oh, I want to go to bed and get in an ice bath or something. <laughs> it's just insane. You see everybody there with like a fan on their lunch break or just stood there like wafting themselves with something because they're that, that warm. Yeah, I didn't realize. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I. it makes sense, you know, because uh, that you guys don't have some, like central air like we do because uh, you don't have a you know whole lot of months out of the year that's, you know, hot. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember when, uh, when I was in – the military, the, my first duty station was in Okinawa, Japan. That's a uh, tropical environment. So yeah. it's real hot uh, and very humid. It looks beautiful. You know, it, it kind of looks like a lot of areas kind of look like Hawaii as far as like the, the foliage and stuff. But it was so fucking hot. I was like, bro, I can barely breathe over here. And uh, I was part of... Uh, uh, a chemical warfare team. So it was a nuclear biological chemical warfare team. They called it NBC team. So we had to wear the full, we call it the Gumby suit. <clears throat> it was a full rubber, you know, hazmat suit basically. And yeah. a little more durable, but, uh, and, and every area is taped up, you know, like, so nothing can get, you know, airborne or whatever could get in. And we would train with that when it's a hundred degrees out and like ninety percent humidity, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> holy shit! I mean, it was uh, that was probably the hottest uh, that I was as far as you know having to wear the suit and stuff. But uh, and we we would train like that for you know out, like all day, uh, so it was the whole day from morning till night. But when you would strip out of that and then try to sleep at night, you're, you know, you're cooler than where you, uh, you were when you had the suit on and it's nighttime, but it was so hard to sleep. Like, we're just like, dude, more of this is better because we're mm-hmm. sleeping, but then you're dehydrated as shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my worst nightmare, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember guys, once, I- like, we... We went to Airsoft Plantation and I was like, yeah, it's cold this morning. I think it was like five degrees Celsius. I was like, it's not going to warm up. It's fine. Like, it's going to be cold. So I had like, um, I had like some leggings on underneath my combat trousers and like a t-shirt underneath my my tactical top. And when we got to probably game two, I was overheating that much. I think it got to like 15 degrees Celsius. For me, that was hot, but the sun was on us. There was not a cloud in the sky after about 10 a.m. So, but from that point, I was in pure sunlight. I had all these layers on, my tactical kit. I had my scar, which is like four and a half kilos. I was just like, (laughs) I can't do this. I had to leave halfway through a game so I could just get half of my gear up and just change what I was wearing because I was that hot. I was like, I'm going to pass out in a minute. And that was at 15 degrees Celsius. I haven't played at a game hotter than, I think, 23 at the moment. So God help me if we end up at a game in like 30 degree heat. Yeah, I think if I play in a game more than 20 degrees Celsius, I think, I will actually die because I can't deal. I couldn't deal with 15 degrees Celsius. So God help me. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, look, if you ever uh, come back to the States and play over here in the summertime, even if it's in Idaho, you know, Idaho gets pretty cold in the winter. But uh, if you play over here in the summer, be prepared because it's hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I went there during, I think that when I went over in 2018, it was June. Yeah. So oh, I, was okay. there for four, I was there for the 4th of July um, yes. celebration as well. So we went like out boating and, and things. And, um, but yeah, that oh, was... Nice. That was warm. I think the day we went to the Grand Canyon, it was 30 degree, 32 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Um, and the you know how the heat in the Grand Canyon, like the lower you go, the hotter it gets. Mm. The temperature recording at the very base of the canyon, I think was like 50 degrees Celsius. So Ooh. they closed it off at a certain point. Because they're like, if you go any lower than this, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> you will actually die and we can't save you so we're like we're not going for a hike down the grand canyon today we'll just go around the top oh my god yeah what that was a hot uh, day it's a beautiful spot though oh it's gorgeous absolutely yeah. gorgeous yeah it's definitely something you see the photos but it doesn't give it any justice no when you're actually there looking at it it's incredible yeah, yeah that's cool uh, it's so cool that you uh you're able to you know have that where you've traveled all these places and and uh, have some good experiences like that. Yeah, it's it's been I've been quite lucky, I think. Yeah. Um. Even like my dad's friend schedules like exhibitions places, and mm. we in twenty October twenty nineteen, so literally right before the COVID pandemic hit yeah. everywhere, uh, we were in Borneo, um, in Malaysia for oh, wow. um nearly three weeks and that that absolutely has been my favorite trip um so far we did so much out there we we like went up uh, mount kinabalu the mountain that's there we went oh to orangutan sanctuaries we did river cruises through the middle of the jungle like literally staying in a shack in the middle of nowhere wow. and in the morning you just got on like a little canoe boat and went down the river for a bit of an explore and like see wild orangutans and big nose monkeys and like all these creatures. It was just incredible. Like going through the jungle in the middle of the night and seeing a bush baby on a tree. Like that was incredible. Oh my gosh. Um, and like doing what white water rafting. I was like, that was incredible. and so fun. And, yeah. um, and just the whole place, like it was somewhere you knew there were like wherever you go there's a bad side of town that you know not to go right. near yeah but when i was there i mean this was back in 2019 so like, i'm 25 this year so i wasn't wasn't really that old if you say like yeah. if you think about it but I'd get out of our, but we stayed in a backpackers kind of lodge and okay. I'd just go out and just go for a walk around the town and go to the local shopping center. And right. I felt comfortable doing that on my own. And even anywhere else I've ever been, I'm like, no, I'm not going out on my own. Somebody needs to come with me. Yeah. But in Borneo, just the, honestly, the place stole my heart. If anybody, I always say this, if anybody ever has the opportunity to go there, just take it. Cause really? it's literally, can be a once in a lifetime opportunity but huh. for me my dad knows the guy who organizes the trips so 
he's actually looking to organise it again. So hopefully I get an opportunity to go again. That is and cool. Fingers crossed. It's not cheap. So not cheap. So a lot of saving needs to be done, but it's, it's just so worth it. So worth it. Huh. Yeah, that is, uh, that's really cool. I, you know, that is something that uh, most people, if they don't get out of where they grew up, you know, and travel and see these different cultures and, you know, especially somewhere like that, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of limited on how you think about the world. Yeah. Uh, even with social media and videos and, you know, where you can see all these different places in the world, if you don't go there and experience it, uh, it, you know, it, it really helps to do those things and see these, you know, how they live. And, uh, that was, uh, that was a big kind of epiphany for me when, uh, when I went in the military, when I went to, uh, Okinawa, it was like, there were still people, this is 1990 when I went there, mm-hmm. there were still people living in uh, grass huts, you know, like, out yeah. of, like outside of, you know, where, where I was the little base, you know, Okinawa is very, very small. Uh, it's like 60 miles long and 20 miles wide or something like that. And, uh, so it's a really small Island off of Japan, but, uh, you know, we, the, the biggest thing I realized when I went there was how, uh, connected we are as human beings. And we have different cultures, different beliefs, uh, religions, things like that. But we, uh, it, it was a huge eye opener for me to, you know, just how we have that human connection where it's, uh, doesn't matter where you come from, what you believe, uh, the respect and, you know, having good manners, obviously is, uh, you know, we, we're all connected in a way that is, uh, is really cool. You know, yeah, definitely saw that in in Borneo as well. It was just like even just being able to respect the the currency differences. So, yeah, what do they use in, over there? It's called Malaysian ringgit, and okay. it was basically for every um, five British pounds, it was one Malaysian ringgit. So, like, you go to there was McDonald's there. I had to have a McDonald's in Borneo because yeah. what else would you? Right. You, you could say I've had a McDonald's in Borneo. Like <laughs> right. The only thing, yeah, exactly. So I had a large meal because living, yes. Um, had a large <laughs> meal and the cup was about, like literally the cup was like this. It was huge. Um, like nowhere near what we're used to in the UK. Um, okay. So I had this massive meal and cost oh no so it was yeah so one british pound sorry five malaysian ringgits not the other way around so yeah one british gotcha. pound is five malaysian ringgits so yeah. i paid i think it was like eight or nine malaysian ringgits for this mcdonald's yeah. meal so it cost me like one pound 60 the mcdonald's <laughs> meal in the uk cost me five pound 80 right so like but when I ever I say something to people um, about the cost, I always say that. Um, sorry, my mom's just popped her head through the door to say something to me. So <laughs> That's I'm just, okay. I'm trying no, to focus fine. on what she was saying. 
oh, you go hey. ahead. Hey there. Don't knock my light over. Um, yeah, so um, I, whenever anybody says to me, like, what's Borneo like, or, or like tries to compare it, I'm like, look, we we tipped our mountain guide, I think, £200. And he told us that that was his year's wages. So we gave him £200 to say thank you for taking us up a mountain, which we didn't actually think was a lot. And he was like, this is the same amount I get in a year. And like he cried. It's just insane. I was like, what? And I mean, I know he mainly is just going down and mountain. So obviously it's nothing. You can't do it all year round. But still, when you think of £200, you don't you don't think of that being somebody's wages for a full year. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Um so yeah, when I say to people, oh my McDonald's cost me like one pound sixty, um it just goes to show the differences. Yeah. And yeah, I but um that country stole my heart. I love Borneo so much. I miss it. Cool. I only yeah. went once. I spent two weeks maybe two and a half weeks there and i literally i look at the photos that i've got from there and i just i melt because they're just incredible i i just love the i love the place it's so beautiful that is cool yeah i don't know anything about uh borneo i you know I, i guess in what i've heard or seen in movies you know where they talk about it just in a small scene or something but mm. Uh, yeah, it's somewhere I've, you know, I don't have experience with, but I, you know, we had similar experiences when, uh, when we were in Okinawa and then we went to South Korea, it was, uh, you know, very similar where people were living in grass huts and me and my buddy, I actually have, um, I was always the one taking pictures. So even in the military, I don't hardly have any of me in the military. I think I've got like two, maybe three. But uh, I was always on the other end of the camera, and I have a a photo. It's one of my favorite pictures. Uh, One of the guys I served with, his last name was Russ, and uh, we were giving our MREs that we were, you know, issued to this family, this uh, South Korean family. You know, they had two little kids. So the picture I have is him holding this lady's, like, two-year-old son. And, uh, and it's cold, like everyone's bundled up, you know, it was like 50 below, uh, zero. And, uh, so, and we're, he's giving her this MRE and she told him this, uh, we had a translator there, but, uh, one of the locals. And he says, this lady said, this was like enough food for them for like a week. And it was one meal for one of us you know, and, uh, we were just blown away, man. It was, uh, I, I guess it, it, you know, the same thing kind of happened. It was when you see people living like that, when you grow up in a different, uh, kind of prosperous, you know, yeah. uh, area, it is, uh, it, it really changed me as a person, you know, uh, it made me realize, um, well, one thing, like I said earlier, how we're connected, but also just, uh, man, I, like you put aside your differences from all these other things, you know, the culture and religion and all this other, you know, stuff that typically 
countries go to war over. And uh, you put aside that because you see these people that they don't have the same thing you grew up with or, you know, and it's not like it's because they choose that. It's uh, it was like literally they're they're trying to make it with where they're at and what they have available. But uh, yeah, it was, it was it was really I had a lot of touching moments like that, learning uh, or experiencing those kind of things with different people in these different countries. See, and if I turn my Wi-Fi off now, my battery's getting low. Oh no! Oh shit! <laughs> is this? Are you recording on your phone right now? Oh, uh, this is on my phone. Yeah. Oh my god! It looks awesome. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I mean it's it's lagging out a little bit, but it's uh yeah it's it looks good. I've turned my Wi-Fi off now, so hopefully it'll uh, yeah be okay. Yeah, I've got 17% battery on my phone. <laughs> oh, no. Well, we've been That's why I texted you before. I was, like, trying to boost <laughs> yeah. it before. <laughs> I while I was cleaning my car, I was using it as a radio so I could listen to music while I was cleaning my car outside. Right. I completely forgot that my battery was nearly dead already. <laughs> so as soon as I finished cleaning my car, I was like, oh, I've got probably 45 minutes before I need to start getting ready for this. And yeah. then... Um, I, by the time I put everything away, it was like, oh, 10% battery. I was like, no. So I was like trying to run to quickly kind of get it all charged before. So I think I managed to get to 67% before we started. Um, oh, good. Well, it's worked, but, out. It's yeah, worked out good it's, so far. You're, you're, uh, <laughs> it's lasted a while. We've been talking for, you know, a little over an hour. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's doing good. So, well, uh, before we start wrapping up, what would you recommend for uh, future or brand new uh, airsofters? Uh, so two questions, I guess, or, t you know, two parts. But uh, what would you recommend for a new airsofter uh, gear, maybe online, like who to connect with, where to connect, uh, let's say if they're in your, your area or whatever. And also as a female airsofter, uh, what kind of clothing do you buy? Um, so I suppose for beginners, um, I just, I mean, my, like I said, so my other half bought me pretty much most of my initial kind of startup gear. So he bought me my vest and, and whatnot, but, um, we kind of went on eBay because just, if you just starting out and you're not sure whether you're going to stick with it, I think you don't want to go mad on like costing kind of gear right. um and then especially if you're a female because if you buy something you're either gonna change your mind because you don't want it it doesn't work when you're on the field and like i have i have two no i have three different varieties of woodland camo trousers now because i bought a pair um that i started out in um but they just used to annoy me. I didn't like them. So I wore them a couple of times. So I was like, no, I'm going to buy a new pair. So I bought a new pair. I was like, yeah, these are good. These fit fine. And I was like, no, I want one with knee pads. So I was then trying to get one with knee pads. That I was like, oh, okay, great, knee pads. Uh, but then when I went into CQV, I was like, well, I want black and grey ones. I don't want woodland camo indoors. I want black and grey, so I was just buying more. Um, but yeah, with being a female airsoft, it's so difficult to find clothes. Like You have to get men's. Because if you buy women's, it's like three times more expensive. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. Um, but 
I actually work at a sporting retail store in the UK called Decathlon and we sell some camo gear for like the hunting, like cross-country hunting that um, people in the UK do. So I actually get a lot of my stuff from there now. So I have like new woodland camo t-shirts that I wear to airsoft now that I've bought from work. I've got some like black and grey woodland, um, like black and grey camo trousers um they're without knee pads but they're for cqb like you've probably seen my photos that i put up recently um but they're so comfortable oh yeah they are the most comfortable oh, that where cargo you got trousers the, uh, i've ever bought that last yeah, picture like, you posted it was really good yeah yeah so those black and gray ones i actually bought from where i work and they're, okay. they're just so comfortable and me and my other half actually have them in plain black just to wear around the house or to wear if we're going like for a walk or something, just because they're so co- like so comfy. Yeah. Um, but I think one brand, like as a female airsofter, the one thing I struggled with the most was face protection. Ah. Because my face is small. When I got a normal six inch like face protector it came down to like here so every time oh, i looked shit. down it hit on my vest and then like pushed up into my face pushed oh, my goggle my, like pushed my glasses up so i was like oh what do i do now so um i spoke to my friend who has uh, has one and i was like oh actually but it's a company called one tigress and they mainly do um like dog um tactical like clothing like military kind of looking clothing um so do like the dog vests that have like the patches on the side and the goggles right. and the whatnot for the dogs as well like a four and a half inch face mask oh so i've then was able to get a four and a half inch face covering and it was perfect it was the perfect size nice. uh face mask it's not absolutely massive definitely one tigress a hundred percent because that four and a half inch like, literally sits right under my chin. Oh, sorry, I keep hitting my microphone. Um, That's okay. Sits right under my chin, doesn't go up or anything. It's just, and it's great. That is a, that's a really good tip. Yeah, it's definitely, I wish I'd known about it before. I'm going to have to say my battery is now at 10%, so I'm okay. afraid I might black out hey, in a minute. Uh... It might die. Well, listen, it's been uh, really good to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on, and I look forward to our next one. Good to meet you too.